All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, Super Producer Brandon Newman and Fox Sports writer and college football reporter Charlotte Wilder. Friends, what's going on? Hi, guys. Hey, Mike. Hey, Charlotte. We up in this thing. We are up in this thing, and we appreciate you for also being up in this thing with us. Not like Pat McAfee said on that broadcast the other night when he talked about penetrating college football. Uh, not quite that aggressive, just more normal way where we ask you to download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check out the YouTube page. Did either of you guys hear that? The clip that started going around of Pat on the simulcast say thanking college football fans for letting him penetrate them and be inside them all year? Are you kidding me? No, I shit you not. I did not hear that. I feel like that man is somewhat of a broadcast hero in that he's just testing the limits. He's like, how far can I go? Before, because he's so he's so dynamic. Watching him on the pregame show for the for the championship, I just I looked at the TV and I just said I was like that man was made to be on television. Like he is that is what he was designed to do, and I really appreciate that he knows they really need him for that energy boost to the point where he's just like testing the limits every time he shows up. That's 100% what it is. We talked about yesterday how Sean McVay can sort of do what he wants in this current situation with the Rams, if he wants to retire, if he wants to stay, if he wants to go do TV, because he's good and he has options. Pat McAfee, also good and has options, which means he can make every sexual innuendo under the sun and not get popped for it on these broadcasts. Yeah, it's I actually, it's 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 a goal I aspire to. I also think that if you're a woman and you get to that point, you're a superhero. Oh, that is true. Oh, You've yeah. yeah, 
that's God tier status. Only then yeah. will we have true equality. Exactly. Exactly. When I can say that and really have it not be a problem, that's when we know that like women in sports. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was the least offensive thing said on that broadcast based on reaction. I just saw, and Brandon, you brought this up yesterday, but I hadn't seen the clip of David Pollack talking next to Nick Saban up there on the yeah. table when David Pollack said that Georgia has now taken over college football and it was the it was the Simpsons gif of you can see right here where his heart breaks. You could see the moment where Nick Saban's new Joker origin story started. David put college football, like every other team besides Georgia, in so much danger with that statement. Yes, I think it's bold, though. I think it's I think it's challenging Nick Saban. I thought it was a little bit of yeah. Like, that's not what we need. We need to let sleeping Nick Saban's lie. You don't want to poke that guy. I don't. I don't know. I I feel like he. I find it bizarre that he's up there. To be honest, when he mm. is an active coach of you know quote the best team in college football which is obviously no longer true now that we have Georgia I found it doubly weird that he was up there for like Georgia's ascendancy to the crown it was like going to your own beheading and like having an out-of-body experience so you could watch it also and then like go home and still have to do your job I don't know I found it very weird and I thought part parts of it I was like that's that's sort of a brilliant choice to go with it to put Saban up there for the Georgia game um but I was a little, I was like, this, there's some stuff going down. He it, seems like a spy. This seems like a spy move. Like he could yes. watch the film, but there's things that you know being boots on the ground that was like, he's just taking intel. Oh, Brandon, dead on. This is this is a 100% a double agent scenario where it is equal parts. One, he's up there because everything is crouton. No matter what you are doing when you are Nick Saban, it is always Cruton. He is talking to somebody that might be able to eventually help the Alabama Crimson Tide get back to the place that he believes they belong. And part of that is also him being able to get information right there in the environment that we were talking about. Wow. Yeah. Cruton. That's next level. Cruton. Speaking of inception and that, do you think anything can actually penetrate college football? I don't really think it's – I think college football may be impenetrable. Oh, yeah. No, this thing's built different right now. I was talking with somebody at the game about the conversation that always gets had about sports hierarchy and how the NBA sees itself positioned as just below the NFL. And it's like, actually, you're probably just positioned below both footballs, if we're being honest about the way this country consumes sports. I think even when the game was as bad as the game was, for that to still be a huge event that... You know, I I did tune out at a certain point because I was like, I felt it made me sad. I felt very sad for TCU. I didn't really want to see it. I will be honest. Um, but I think that I think that the the beauty of other sports that aren't as massive as football, though, is that you get such a community out of it like football has its own communities within the sport and within the way you watch it but I sort of love that the sports that aren't football have these like weird idiosyncrasies to their fandoms um that as soon as you become the most popular start to become a little more difficult to hold on to 
oh, you don't got to tell me twice. As a college lacrosse and PLL fan, yeah, yeah. they confirm. When you feel like you're a part of a little battalion as opposed to a full-blown army. It's awesome. It is awesome. Something else that I thought was awesome that I needed to ask you guys about the championship night before we get to, we had a great show coming up. We have, instead of, we normally do top five, bottom five from the NFL weekend that was here. Since we have Charlotte here and since we are on the cusp of the NFL, you know, we're coming off this college football championship. We're on the cusp of the NFL, potentially naming the neutral site that the AFC championship game could be played at because of the fallout from the bangle, from the, excuse me, uh, yeah, Bengals and Bills game that wasn't played due to the DeMar Hamlin injury, there's potential that the AFC Championship game could be played at a neutral site. And so in honor of all that, we are going to instead do the top five places to host a championship event. Since people always want to bring this up, since everyone always wants to talk about cold weather places versus some of the tried and true spots, we've each got a list. None of us know the other's list, and we are going to present them to the class here. We've also got a game of true truths and a lie that we're going to play with NFL GMs because we are in talking season in this week <laughs> leading up to the uh, to the NFL playoffs. But before we get to that, I have to ask you guys the most important question from the national championship the other night because I threw this out there, and I did not think this was a controversial take but I saw some pushback. Is pentatonics cool? <laughs> pentatonics sang the national anthem for the college football playoff national championship. And I'm a sucker for any sort of acapella group, any sort of choir. And so I heard that and I was like, wow, chills. These guys don't miss. Brandon, I want to start with you because you're making the funniest face at me right now. Am I off base on this? Well, I was going to ask, was that who was up there? Yes, that was who that was who was up there. I know because the guy in the middle did look like Pat McAfee, just singer Pat well, McAfee. He kind of looked like Pat McAfee, Sam Smith, and then you had the he was the only white man in blue, and then you had the two females in in uh, two women in white, and then the two black gentlemen in red. And I was like, okay, what type of uh, <laughs> Hunger Games district shit is going on here? Like, I don't know what I'm watching, but they got it on the big stage. And this is right after that young lady was doing the the signing, like the ASL. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm watching. They sound fine, but it feels a little racist. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know of Pentatonix before that? Yeah, I've heard of them. Like, I've been to uh, I've been to Lululemon, you know. (laughs) If you've been to the mall around the holidays, chances are you have heard Pentatonix before. So I'm just going to answer your question for you, Mike. No. Pentatonics is not, they're not cool because acapella in general isn't cool. And here, I'm going to go full inception with this. You ready? I love this. If you went to a college that had a, had a prominent acapella scene, unless you were in one of those acapella groups, acapella was not cool, but you had to go to the concerts anyway, because you usually knew at least one person in it. But the real reason you went to the concert was because you loved acapella and you just couldn't admit it. And everybody pretended they hated acapella and didn't want to go to the concerts and everybody sitting there just like vibing, being like, how was this only their voices? So Pentatonix is like the NFL of acapella college football. And it is therefore inherently uncool 
and in I might argue impossible not to love, but no one will admit it. So I, the only reason you guys I can clip that for me, by the way, yes. and I will post that because that might be <laughs> the best take it. I've ever had. <laughs> Charlotte's deep dive into acapella groups, which is exceptional. It sounds like grounded in a lot of experience. Like who did you? Are you going to name names of personal. who? I was just going to ask. Deeply personal. The thing I'm not sure of is. Were you friends with someone or was that a deep cover for you Listen. being in an acapella group in college? No, no, no. I try, Look, if I could change one thing about me and people who don't like me probably won't like this answer because they'll be like, what if you change your personality? It would be that I could sing. Oh, it would be that I could sing if I could. I can't sing like some, every once in a while. I'll I'll give it a try. But like if I could sing. I said if I could exchange the little athletic ability, like whatever amount of athletic ability I was blessed with, if I could yes. walk into the God store and exchange it for the exact <laughs> same amount of singing ability, I would make yes. that trade every day and twice Ooh. on Sunday. I was backstage at a Rascal Flats concert one time, and Dan, <laughs> Dan and Shay were um, the opening act for them. And it was somebody's birthday back there. And so they mm -hmm. had a cake for them in like the vibe room. And as they were getting ready to light the candles, one of the guys started just under his breath singing happy birthday to no one else in particular. He was like warming up and it was beautiful and it was yeah. perfect. And I was like, he's not doing that for anybody. That's just his walking around voice. That's his garden yeah. variety. I'm in the shower. I'm taking a shit voice and it's an angel. And I'm so jealous of it. Yeah. I wish I, first of all, do you sing on the toilet? Uh, no, but I've gotten in the habit of playing a lot of music on the toilet. I can't okay. just because of the forces at play. It's a lot harder to sing there. <laughs> you can't yeah, you have need it going your diaphragm for something else. Yeah, it's going opposite directions um, there. I've I God, I made a poop joke before we even started recording too. I'm on a roll today. Um, I no, I wish. I think part of the reason that I that I pretended to hate acapella was because I couldn't sing and I was deeply jealous. All I really wanted was to be up there. Also, probably I'm such a ham that like if I could sing, I would just be like, I'm gonna be a pop star. And even though I like can't dance too, so there's a lot going up. But um, no, I had friends who were in it, and I think I was just a little resentful that I couldn't do it, and I loved it. I feel. I see. My only pushback was I was. And maybe this is just me being deeply nerdy and not re like reading the room. I thought Pitch Perfect made acapella publicly acceptable. Like I thought after that movie, we did the thing where now we were all comfortable accepting this for what it was. And now based on your guys' faces, I'm realizing that it's it just a me thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah that's, that, yeah, that's that part of you that just embraces all of the pumpkin spice. Like that's that. Yeah. That's that basic. And, that and basic we love it. You. We love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but that, yeah, but that is what it is. We don't want you to change either. No. See, but this is my thing is <laughs> an acapella group is not that many standard deviation points away from a choir. And everybody loves a choir. A, a choir is... <sighs> Like for years, I, I feel like Brandon. I feel like Brandon and I are on 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 one. I feel like we're trying to figure out how to explain... I know. I'm. I, listen. It's like we have to. It's like we're parents who have to have the birds and the bees conversations with our kids. You guys are trying like to about, have the sex acapella talk with. Yeah, me we're right trying now. to be like. Here's how it actually is. There's no stork. And and as and as someone who, <laughs> my face, uh, as someone who dabbles in trying to harmonize at times, uh, I I'm interested in the concept of just not being able to do it at all because it just seems like something that you just like. 
like dancing, like like a nice white man dancing. Like you just give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like you just gotta start moving and letting the things happen because it's like there's no real wrong answer. Now, if you're a part of a group, and especially an acapella group, there is wrong answers. And I I am one of those guys that sits back. I, I maybe I mentioned this on the podcast before, but my aunt, when I was like eight, told me my top was I can sing on a cruise ship. And I thought that was really good. And then I got older and I was like, oh, she was shitting on me. Um, but I went to a lot of acapella concerts at Notre Dame. Mike, do you remember the acapella group at Notre Dame? I don't remember their names, no. The Undertones. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. The Undertones. Wow. And they have that ND moniker in the middle, right? Under- they have a great Christmas album. I suggest you go check it out. But I do feel like when I'm listening to them, I was like, I could do some of those i could do some of those but there's there's training involved like when mike took guitar lessons senior year i took voice lessons and i was doing all kinds of like like dumb stupid stuff like that but the fact that mike thinks that it's cool to be in that group it's i mean it like how cool is being an altar boy tell me i don't know oh no listen an altar boy requires zero skill none you just take directions and wear a flowing robe. Being I do a, think – sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that being in an acapella group actually requires skill. It requires talent. It requires what Brandon talked about, hard work. And so I don't see that in any way, shape, or form similar to being an altar boy. I just figured out what it is. First of all, I think being in a choir is very cool. I really do. I think it's inherently cool if you are in a choir and because you – I'll come back around to that. But the reason that acapella, and then maybe we could talk about sports, but I don't, this feels like sports. <laughs> the reason that acapella isn't cool is because everybody who is in an acapella group is so up their own ass about it and mm. like harmonizes for fun in the, in the dining hall and like does these faces where they're like, look how amazing we are. And then puts up right. like, there's a lot of acapella TikTok that I watch, which I love, but I'm also like, these faces are so punchable because they're so pleased with themselves. Charlotte, that's exactly yes. why we looked at Mike sideways when he said that stuff about Pitch Perfect. We're like, did yeah. you not see the satire laced in there that yeah, all of I, these people were? I understand like, that it was stuck, getting stuffed in a locker. Like it, it's like not where the scene is. But Mike thought we'd come full circle on that. So Charlotte, what you're describing sounds like this: is if we were to like, if we were to do the um, the like uh, is. That blank is to blank as blank is to blank, like the two dot two dot thing. The ratio. That's the word. No. Yeah. Is it? I think so. Um, We're going to ride with it. Acapella is to acquire as CrossFit is to just normal weightlifting. Yes. Yes. Yep. Like, 1,000%. You've, like, you you nailed that. To this while, while CrossFitting. I don't even know what that's called, but while you're doing your jumps and your whatever the thing is, muscle ups, the the cult like aspect of it that just makes it like, why can't you just be normal about it? Like you said, once you said it was making it too much of your personality, that's generally the thing that gets thrown on CrossFitters as opposed to just someone who goes and lifts weights to supplement whatever else they're doing in their lifestyle. So I understand you. And look, if that works for people, I. I'm probably just jealous. I get hives when I think about being a part of a group uh, that feels too groupy. So I respect people who can yeah. do it. Shout out to the CrossFit listeners of this podcast at Gojo Show and on Twitter 
and if you sing in an acapella group, tweet us at Gojo Show on Twitter and show us some of your fine acapella work because I will be there to support it. Even if I love it, I love it. I don't necessarily think it's cool, but I think it's cool. Russell Wilson. Anyway, I I feel like a human centipede of an argument right now. But you can't you can't acapella by yourself. Like you can't. You right? No, you're in a group. Yeah, it's a group. It's a group. Send us your group work. Send us your group work. Now that we've finished the acapella sex ed talk, which piggybacked <laughs> off the Pat McAfee sex ed talk on the bulk uh, simulcast of the national Ooh. championship, let's play two truths and a lie uh, and talk about sports here uh, for a quick second. Just because this week, so Monday of this week is usually referred to as Black Monday. I think we're t- calling it that again. There was a period where we weren't calling it and Black Friday, those things again. And then now people just started doing it again. So I think we're there. It's the day that the NFL coaches all tend to get fired. And we saw Cliff Kingsbury get fired. We had seen the Tennessee Titans move on from their offensive coordinator. Scott Turner, I saw, just got fired uh, yesterday as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commandos. And so you've got all this going on, which means that we have GMs talking in front of microphones right now. And so I want to read you guys three statements from NFL GMs and try and figure out which two we believe are true and which one of these is the lie. So this first statement this Love first it. statement is from the Detroit Lions uh general manager here. Uh it's something Holmes, which is not on the page I had pulled up here. Um, Brad Holmes, excuse me. The GM for the uh, Detroit Lions is Brad Holmes. And he said about Jared Goff, quote, I think it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better in this league. So I think what Jared has done this year, he captained the ship of a top three offense. He was top 10 statistically in most passing categories. And again, how we know we approach the draft, we're never going to turn down a good player. So if it's a football player we love, we're going to make sure every stone is turned. But I do think Jared has proven to everybody that he is a starting quarterback for us. So do you want us to weigh in? As we go, or do you want us at the end to say which are true and which is a lie? I'll give you all three so we can Great. do the rendering Great. here at the end. So that is Brad Holmes, the general manager of the Detroit Lions. Up next is Ryan Poles, the GM of the Chicago Bears. And he was talking about their quarterback, Justin Fields, who in his second year started to really grow and ascend, was one of the exciting quarterbacks in the league, and talked about their end-of-the-year conversations. He said, we had good conversations. I'm excited for the direction he's going. As I mentioned before, he knows where he has to improve. I think he mentioned that the other day. We're excited about his development and where he goes next. He showed ability to be impactful with his legs. There's flashes of his arm. Now if we can put that together, I think we have something good. We're going to do the same we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this. I would have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision in reference to drafting a quarterback with the number one overall pick that they acquired when the Texans won this weekend. So that is number two. The last statement in Two Truths and a Lie was from none other than Jerry Jones. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, as Trey Wingo say, Grand Poobah, Master of Space, Time, and Dimensions. He was on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas on Tuesday and was asked whether a wild card loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this coming Monday night would impact Mike McCarthy's status as their head coach. And he said, quote, no, I don't even want to. No, that's it. I don't need to get into all the pluses or minuses. I've got a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. So between Brad Holmes, Ryan Poles, and Jerry Jones, two truths and a lie, which of these statements are we calling bullshit on? 
Um, may I go? By all means. Uh, Brad Holmes is telling the truth. All right. Ryan Poles is lying. And Jerry Jones is telling the truth. Wow. Okay. And I know you don't think, I knew, I, I don't think that you were expecting that. No, I was very much not expecting that. So why do you think, why do you think that Ryan Poles is the one lying here? Because if you look at what all three of them said, okay, see, I my my gold standard of GMs talking about quarterbacks and decisions is Steve Keim of the Arizona Cardinals in 2019 when he said he was asked about Josh Rosen. And he said, Josh Rosen is our quarterback right now for sure. And that to me was the most brilliant way of not lying because he mm. said he is right now. For sure. For sure. Which does not have that he doesn't even I did a whole segment on this when I was at Sports Illustrated and had uh had a Sports Illustrated TV show, which is sort of hilarious. And but anyway, um and it <laughs> because it's the most brilliant way of covering your ass, not having to say anything and not fully offending anyone, except that if you understand GM speak, the minute if I'm Josh Rosen, the minute I hear that, I'm like, I'm out. Like this is not I'm done. I'm I'm done. And that one was obvious. A lot of people could have seen that and been like, yeah, okay, Josh doesn't have a job here anymore. But I think whenever a GM is too enthusiastic, which Ryan pulls, he said too much. Yeah. I think that it, when, when, when you're lying, you tend to give too many details. You tend to over explain yourself because you really want it's like if you if you're lying to your friend that you can't go to dinner you're like oh i just had this work call come up and the people are in pacific time and like one guy couldn't make the call earlier so instead yes. of, if you were actually telling the truth and a work call came up you'd just be like hey i had a work call come up i'm so sorry let's reschedule and so first of first so there's that and i think so, ryan Paul said by too the way much. as that this is great advice from charlotte wilder on how to be better lying to your friends yeah, about breaking if plans. you yeah, yeah, or anything. If you want to lie, think about how you would say it if you weren't lying and realize that you would say less than you're about to say and then say less. Um, <laughs> I do think, though, that if you look at what Brad Holmes said and what Jerry Jones said, they didn't make any promises and they didn't qualify anything. He just said that Jared Goff did a really great job this year and that if there's someone in the draft, we'll see. That wasn't he wasn't really saying anything one way or another. Jerry Jones was telling the truth because he said it's not the wild card game. I have a bunch of other stuff to evaluate. He didn't say he wouldn't fire him. He just said it wouldn't come down to the wild. It, it, it means that he knows what he's going to do right now. As of January 11th or huh. 12th, whenever this comes out, Jerry Jones knows whether he's going to fire Mike McCarthy or not. But it's not going to be because of the wild card game. So that leaves Ryan Poles, who's saying we'd have to be really blown away to take a quarterback at number one. And I don't think that's true because I think that the Bears, Justin Fields, I think is an unbelievable talent. But the Bears got the number one pick in the draft. So like something's not working. I would not be shocked if after he said that it's because they are they're going to have an about face and be like, wait a second, actually, maybe it's maybe it's our quarterback, which I don't think it is, and I don't think that's fair, but I think that's GM speak for we might be bullshitting you. So, all right, this is fascinating on a number of levels here. Number one, I was making thinking of my all-time favorite sports, like 
not quite lies, but close to lies like you talked about with Steve Kime. We obviously have the recent example of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan saying, no one can know the future, but I plan to enthusiastically be the head coach of Michigan next season. Leaving himself that caveat there. It does make me think of my favorite graphic ever concocted on the college football internet, the Penn State Super Bowl graphic where it says in all big, bold letters, a Penn State player has appeared in every Super Bowl. And then in fine print right below it, it says, except for five since 1967. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Hall of Fame. I've never seen that. I will, I will make sure except I text it to five. both of you guys. It is priceless in its presentation here. Again, you can see it's every Super Bowl and then the sprint yeah. is so small below it that says except for five since 1967. <laughs> so you're right. In the analysis of that, it's the right way to look at these things here. I was shocked because Jerry Jones seems to be the one where obviously we look at this and we say this is an uncomfortable situation for Mike McCarthy because Sean Payton is starting to do actual interviews. And all we've known and talked about since last year when Sean Payton retired from the Saints was this eventual reunion with Jerry Jones, a guy that he knows super well, Obviously, the Parcells connections, all these things that lead back to Jerry Jones and our thought that he might do that. But I think you're right, Charlotte. I discounted that thought that it wasn't going to be about just this game, that it was likely going to be about, yeah, what's the likelihood that Sean would take the job? If Sean's willing to come in and take the job and they lose the wild card game, yeah, he's probably going to get popped. Hell, he could win the wild card game, and if they lose the next one, there's still a chance he might do some wild stuff here. So... I actually think I agree with you. The only thing that I would say I'm different on is the Ryan Poles thing. I'm wondering if this is a lie in the name of gamesmanship where it's, hey, you know, we'll think about it. If someone blows us away, we take a quarterback at that spot, knowing full well you've got the Texans there who are going to be in the hunt for a quarterback. And everyone's thinking, well, the Bears would trade back. They would get picks. And it's like, no, no, no. We want to let you know how much we love this pick and how this might be a quarterback for us if we evaluate this player and we think it's right. When in actuality, I think this might just be them doing clever business and trying to drive up the asking price of that pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also – Based on Charlotte's rationale, I think Brad Holmes and Ryan Poles are both oversharing and being a little They're bit saying too, too much. Yeah, about about their quarterback. Like I would expect Ryan Poles to say nothing about Justin Fields and like him pulling shit together. Like leave him alone. Like like right. y'all like I don't agree. even speak on him. Like do the Jerry Jones thing. Was like no. Nah, uh, 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 like whatever Jerry Jones word vomit that we just said is the truth, right? When it comes to uh, how he's handling with McCarthy, because I think he's got a bigger issue with Dak there, and and there's all kinds like who who who's going to be the person that saves this over there in Dallas? I don't know. But Brad Holmes, he's right about Jared Goff. He did all those things, but in that he was very too. He was almost too detailed running down his resume of the things he's done mm-hmm. while being with the Detroit Lions. As if he is weighing scales out, because I do well, think but- the Lions are ascending, and with that, they, there's a there's a level of cutthroatness that we're not seeing amongst this team led by a bunch of players, players or coaches that used to be players. That there's still some blood in the water. This is still an NFL team here. I think I, I think that that could also be him selling Goff to another team that might need him Ooh. in exchange for. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think 
I think that both of them said too much, but I think that Ryan Poles was more detailed in what he said he would do about it. Cause Brad Holmes was sort of like, we'll see what happens in the draft. And Ryan Poles was like, if somebody blows us away, we will not probably maybe take him at number one, which looking back, I think you're right, Mike. I think that seems more like draft gamemanship than it does a reality because I also personally would let Justin Fields cook, but right. Like I was the whole thing about this season was the bears very clearly selling off defensive parts, getting rid of a guy like Rokon Smith, who just got paid by Brandon's favorite team in the Baltimore Ravens, big money coming out, but they were selling off all those guys. And they wanted to be bad. They brought over chase Claypool as like one bit of acknowledgement that they wanted to give Justin Fields, someone to throw the ball to, that might work out for them other than their tight end. But in general, I think we all looked at the Bears offensive grade as incomplete. Justin Fields was running for his damn life and somehow making it look awesome. So I'm, and as a prospect, I mean, that was the number two quarterback in most people's estimations behind Trevor Lawrence for the majority of his life. Obviously people ended up making mistakes in that draft towards the Zach Wilson end of things. And some of the other parts of this, I will never. Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I just was so pissed when they took Zach Wilson before Justin Fields. Like, I was pretty I wanted I I, I was doing a draft show that year, and I'm pretty sure I was clear Justin Fields was the second best quarterback in that class yeah. in my eyes, and should have gone as the second guy off the board in that spot. And the first year under Matt Nagy, that was a team and a coaching staff that seemed actively opposed to their quarterback having success. So a lot like yeah. the Trevor Lawrence experience down in Jacksonville, you had a player that was just for the really first time being coached in a way that wanted to actually work with his skill set. The difference is the Jags spent a bunch of money to get guys around Trevor Lawrence and the Bears actively sold off parts during the season to try and make that team bad to get exactly where they're at right now. I know they will never cop to tanking, but we all looked and saw what was going on with that team. Yeah, my, my issue with the Bears, though, are you finally drafted the thing that you've been missing for decades in a quarterback that could save your franchise and you have him. He's wearing the jersey. He looked great. He broke all the effing records for rushing like a Lamar Jackson would when you weren't even expecting to do so. The Detroit Lions have been trying to get over the hump of winning, mm-hmm. right? They just have it finished with a winning season. All the morale and stuff is there. For them to even attempt, them being the Bears, to even attempt to alienate a young player like Justin Fields just seems like malpractice. I think that that might be why I think they could do it because I'm so jaded by these teams and by these GMs making such horrible decisions that I'm like, the example I always use was the 2016 wildcard game in the MLB postseason when for the Orioles, Buck Showalter did not pitch their best closer, Zach Britton. And I was like, what the actual heck is going on here. Because if you're telling me that you saved him, his arm for the next game, that's ridiculous because you didn't get there because you didn't play him. And that was one of them. That stands out as one of the most egregious examples of like, maybe the people that I would like to think are smarter than I am and better at this and have been doing this professionally, whereas I've just been watching them do it know what they're doing. And then sometimes you're like, oh, they just straight up don't, 
or they're just mm-hmm. being dumb or something is blinding them to something that they cannot get out of their own way. And that is what I'm afraid could happen in Chicago as, as much as I don't want it to. I think it's also, Charlotte, to that point, it's like growing up and being adults and realizing that your parents didn't have all the answers. They're just figuring stuff out on the fly. There can be some of that. There's some of being too close to the forest for the trees. There's also looking for who gets to take credit for what. And it's worth remembering that Justin Fields was not a Ryan Poles pick. He came in and inherited this quarterback. He's not the one that drafted him. And so there's always that in the background of this. That's what's interesting about the Brad Holmes situation is because Brad Holmes was a part of the Rams staff and was integral in drafting Jared Goff with the first pick back in 2016. So those guys have some history together. Now, if I'm the Bears, there's no way I'm moving on from Justin Fields. I think as a prospect, what you've got with him is so great, you can afford to trade back and get fixes for a lot of the other things on your roster that you need help with, because right now you're in that spot and he can get you out of trouble. For the Lions, I think there's an argument that you could make to bring Jared Goff back next year, but he's also only a $10 million cap hit if they do release him this offseason and decide they want to draft a young guy or go after another veteran free agent and try and take that next step from plucky team that almost made the postseason that wowed us in the back half to legitimate bona fide contender. Their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson's also going to be a guy that gets some head coaching interviews now and was a huge weapon for that team. So I can see a little bit more of both sides of those arguments there with the lions, the bears. I can't see it. The Cowboys I'm almost expecting the worst case scenario for them at this point. And I'm expecting Jerry Jones to try and swing big at Sean Payton, because I don't know a world where that guy's going to sit idly by and watch this person that we've all seen and believed is the apple of his eye, go and coach for somebody else when he could have had him. No, Jerry gets what Jerry wants. Yes. I, I think I think with the Bears situation, I, I'm, I'm praying I'm wrong. Yeah. I really want them to I really want them to do the right thing. Um, and I hope that this is the exception to like I, I've just seen so many times where I'm like, no, they wouldn't. Why would they ever do that? And then a team does it, and I'm like, ah, and I'm really hoping that you that you're right that they get the the help that Justin Fields needs as opposed to going out and trying to make a statement by doing something really dumb. Speaking well, with that in mind, Charlotte, two truths and a lie. What GM is in that position from telling the truth to everyone? It's just like kind yeah, they're of all like, they're all lies. They're all lies, yeah, and they're, they're all the truth in some capacity. Yeah. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So, what what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. 
Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Colorful lies. Damn. Stay woke on that one. They're all lies <laughs> and they're all some truths in some capacity. By the way, while I do think that Jerry Jones would absolutely pull the trigger, it is sort of obscene, insane objectively to think about. Mike McCarthy has gone 12 and 5 in back to back years and won the NFC East last year, has taken him to the postseason for consecutive years. And this is a very real possibility that I think we could see him fired in the name of bringing Sean Payton back, which we don't even know what kind of decision that would be at this point with Sean Payton and what he would be without Drew Brees. So all these things, very interesting. We are in talking season, which means to Charlotte's point, we are in lion season or at least very colorful (laughs) truth season. And we get to keep an eye on all that. Now it is time though, to get stadium ranking season. So again, normally we do top five, bottom five each and every week on Tuesdays, national championship bumped it back. We get to do it with our friend Charlotte Wilder, but this time in honor of the AFC championship game, in honor of what we had in the college football playoff, we want to do top five host cities for championship events here. And so we all made a list and guys, we didn't have like a set criteria, but I kind of thought about all of it, right? I thought about the quality of the stadium that you would be having this championship event in. I thought of the nightlife that you would have for people involved. I thought about the transportation and hospitality aspect of all these places. How easy is it to get to stuff? What's the airport situation like? And so all of those things kind of factored in. We didn't specify really what sport even this championship event would be for because I think it's sort of universal. So Charlotte, I want to let you go first since it is Wilder Wednesday here. Top five championship host cities, according to Charlotte Wilder here. What do we got? So I did I did something really obnoxious and did like when the teacher says, you know, you can make any sort of creative project I and like it, sh- it should be written or it should be like a drawing, but I made a video um, because I did this by sport. <clears throat> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And I know that's not where we're go- So I can do the traditional, like the best football places. I have a list of that too, but I thought it would be interesting to say what I think are the best cities for the major sports. If Johnson you would indulge me. By all means. Thank you so much. Um, so I think that the Super Bowl, the best place for it is Miami. And I say that knowing that the traffic was absolutely miserable, but I loved the vibe. I absolutely loved the vibe of Super Bowl week in Miami. It was fun. It was playful. There's a beautiful beach. It felt um, it, it, it felt like the city retained enough of itself while also making it clear that there isn't a Super Bowl happening. I think my issue with the Super Bowl in LA is that you, if, if, if you hadn't seen the banners flying from a few street lamps, you wouldn't have known there was a Super Bowl there because there was also probably like an awards show there. And, Concert. you know, it's like, yeah, L.A., I don't I don't like L.A. as a championship city because I just don't I think it's too there's too much else going on and it's too exciting already and it's too big. And it's like if you go to if you go to Houston for a Super Bowl. You're like, oh shit, I'm here for a Super Bowl. So, and I like that vibe. <clears throat> but so I would say Super Bowl Miami because I love that. Um, I think the college football playoff should, I mean, um, the national championship should always be in New Orleans. 
I think mm-hmm. college football and New Orleans are perfectly suited to each other. They're chaotic. Amen. It doesn't make total sense. It's beautiful. It's pageantry. Um, there's an element of like mysticism to both of them. Um, I think that I think that the best place for an MLS Cup final would be Austin. Oh yeah. I think Ooh. Austin for with the new team. Well, I guess it's not that new anymore, but. Austin would be an amazing city for a championship, but it couldn't be for football. I mean, I guess you could do it at UT, but it's not the. I think that the the Q two stadium there would be perfect um, for a final. I think that the NHL Stanley Cup best city is Vegas because I've done that there and it was perfect. Um, MLB, I think it's home. It's, it's going back. I didn't say what other city NHL would be because I don't really care. Sorry. Um, but the MLB <laughs> would be LA and Boston, which is obnoxious for reporters and everybody covering it. Of and course. The players, but whatever. And NBA, New York city. Wow. Imagine an NBA final. And again, the other team, whatever yeah. um, at Madison square garden. That also, is... I was told by my fiance I was not allowed to say Boston for that one. Yeah, good, good answer. Yeah, good answer. I think your your list based on the the sport. I I don't really see a lot of holes in it. No, thank you so much. You hit you hit pretty much every city but one that I would have on my list, just ranking them overall. So. I'm very, I can't wait to hear your list, Mike. Well, I say I'm a very big fan of all those spots. I think the sports-specific nature of that works for all of those because you also want places where fans of that sport are going to feel comfortable. And I think that's something when you talked about the CFP, that was decidedly not the case in L.A., right? Everything's spread out. All of the geographic and regional differences that make that. And it's just, you know, LA's not a college football town. We all know that. It's not a slight. It just is what it is. This is a place that's very different, so... Brandon, why are you making a face? Because USC is the biggest college football team in Los Angeles. That's the only reason I made a face, but continue. I mean, yeah, oh, but they... I was there for the Rose Bowl and like you wouldn't, I didn't know it was happening. Right. Was like, we drove through Pasadena and it's like, I don't even, is there a game here today? I don't know. Brandon, USC is the biggest team in college football. When they played UCLA, no one came and watched that game. It was a rivalry <laughs> game where both teams were ranked and no one was there. Like that's it's early 2000s. SC was able to do something very powerful, which is be the biggest show in town. They were star studded. They were the place that celebrities wanted to be like, yeah, that shit was popping off. But again, like, it's like Miami. I've heard the guys in the Levitard show talk about this. Like Miami's not a college football city. Miami's got too much stuff going on, much the same way LA, uh, LA does. Like college football is for places off the beaten path that have one thing to hold up as their own. So that's my only thing there. Like I, it, it's not a slight. LA's got a bunch of cool shit. It's like Nashville. Like of course Nashville doesn't give a damn about the you know Vanderbilt and college football. Oh. Speaking well, of Vanderbilt, speaking of that, though, yeah, the Harvard of the SEC. Um, <laughs> Mike, I'm gonna let you let, save you for last. All right, because the only the only the only other cities that I that you did not have on my list, Charlotte, were mm-hmm. so I had New Orleans. I went down there for a bachelor party during the women's Final Four, and it was electric. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it was electric. Um, San Francisco, I really liked San Francisco. What I liked it as a Super Bowl. I liked it as a Super Bowl city. Really? I did. Why you guys, you guys You're the only person I've ever heard crazy. say you yeah. liked it 
as a Super Bowl city. 100%. Okay, so here's the thing. I like – you guys talk about being close. I like for these big events where, like, the – the 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 activities are in one place and the game is actually in a whole other place. Okay. Because that, that helps with the traffic. That helps with the the, the the concentrated of like where people need to be based on the day. So I, I, I did appreciate that. So that I, I did I, I like the vibe of San Francisco, excuse me. Um and then Indianapolis is a good place for a championship. Mm-hmm. It's where the national championship has always been. I think it's like if you've been out there, the city is set up for people to be outside and inside the way you can like walk from hotel to hotel and these like uh these like what do you even call those skyways sky tunnels yeah skyways sorry not skyways a thing. sky tunnel Can't have a tunnel in the sky but also here's my last seattle I like Seattle as a sports town. I like Seattle as a walking town. It's you can walk you have to walk to that stadium, which is beautiful, and that stadium is amazing and beautiful and right on the water. Uh there's not a bad seat in the house. I, I think there's something about Seattle that's missing their sports. So anytime any sports happen, they get all excited about it as if it's the biggest shit that has ever happened. So I love Seattle as a, as a, a location for a championship. I love Seattle as a sports town. I'm with you. I got to go out and cover a UW game and was spent time out there. You're right. Like that whole setting by the water is immaculate. Great vibes. Awesome sports town. Plenty of unique stuff. Obviously, Seattle and everywhere in the Pacific Northwest is that very like wonderful style of weird that we all appreciate. So I don't hate that as an answer. I don't know. I just don't know logistically about that city all that much. I haven't experienced a big event like that in that city. And so I don't have the personal experience. I won't knock it. Uh, this is so this is what I will say. The biggest thing with my top five, if your temperature drops below freezing mm-hmm. at any meaningful time, I don't want you hosting a championship event. I, I knew you were gonna say that, Mike. I knew that was gonna be your angle. I, I knew it. I don't think cold weather cities should get to host championship events. I went to the Super Bowl in Minneapolis and it was like it was fine until That it was sm- one of the worst weeks of my life. Charlotte, every morning I would get up to go do radio in the mall food court outside of the Cinnabon store, and I would shower to wake myself up, and when I would walk from where we parked in the Ikea parking lot into the Mall of America, my beard would freeze over completely. It is not okay. It is not okay. Horrible. I could go into detail. Well, I thought it was brilliant, Charlotte, that you mentioned New York for basketball. But right? I do think that it is special. Like that's a special place. Like the Big East Championship when it was in New York all the time. Like that was right. so it is. Fun. It still is. It's the best. I covered it last year. It was. It oh, was yeah, the great. And you can just take the. You can take the subway. Yes. Like New York is built for congestion. New York is built to yeah. have a bajillion people in it all the time. And it's like, and yeah. Really, really passionate about that one. Which is, I would say, a great caveat. If your city is warm during, like, if you're in Indianapolis for something warm going on, awesome. I don't think the college football playoff championship should be there. I was there last year. I had to walk on a sheet of ice to go to St. Elmo's. Just, again, love Indy. (laughs) Want to go back and see the Kurt Vonnegut Museum. I don't need a championship there. Uh, Five to one for me. Miami number five. Charlotte, you mentioned my biggest gripe there, the road system. It pissed rain the one Super Bowl I was there and flooded the place. Miami Miami 
feels damp and seems like it peaked in 1996. But overall, <laughs> it's a good time for a championship. Tons of places to go out. The stadium's you know good and accommodating for all that stuff. So and again, warm even if you get the random bouts of Florida rain. Number four, Houston. All the same warm reasons, everything's in one area. It is an absolute yeah. triumph of efficiency when it comes to the nightlife, your hotel, proximity to the stadium, having it all right there. The CFP's there next year. Can't wait, Bart Scott voice. Uh, number three, where the Super Bowl <laughs> is this year, Phoenix. I think having Scott's, Old Town Scottsdale as a place to go out. Brandon, you mentioned your like of uh, your enjoyment of separation of church and state. You got Old Town yes. Scottsdale where you can go do all the debauchery. You got the stadium in Glendale. You got the rest of Scottsdale in the middle. Uh, you got the waste management that's going to be at TPC the same weekend this year. It's a place that's built to host a party. It's incredibly warm during the hours you need it to be warm. I know winter, it's a little bit different, the desert thing. You get the whole picture. Number two, Charlotte, you mentioned it, Vegas. Vegas should be a staple. It is an incredible place to do anything. The draft, the championship, you name it. Vegas is just yeah. built to party, wicked efficient, great you know, great new stadium there. Allegiant is awesome as someone who's going to go see Taylor Swift play there in March. Oh. Can't wait to see how that show renders inside that giant hockey puck. It's going to be awesome. And the number one easiest choice in the world is New Orleans. That place should never go more than two years without hosting a championship of some sort. Charlotte, you hit on it. It is my favorite thing about New Orleans is it's approachable Vegas. You don't mm -hmm. got to feel like you're doing too much. You can go out there in shorts and a t-shirt. We all acknowledge that because we're down by the swamp, we're going to sweat our asses off. We're going to drink. We're going to eat really well. Everything's going to be within walking distance, and we're all going to have a blast. It can fit college football in that way because obviously it's got close ties to LSU and the team down there, Tulane right in New Orleans. It's got you know, something for, you know, I've been to NBA All-Star down there and everyone has a great time. Obviously, it's got Bourbon Street. It's got all the stuff around there. New Orleans is the grand champion of hosting a champion event, championship event by far. I, I think both of you, I love how true to yourselves you both stayed with those lists. I also think, I, I wanted to shout out Houston also. I think that the the one of the best Super Bowl experiences i've had was houston just also did we meet each other down there we Mike? did we did meet at the houston was Super that the Bowl. first time we ever met that was the first time we had met and i also hung out with brandon a lot that week because there was the one hotel bar where everyone in sports yeah. media came to interact and so yeah that yeah. was where we met oh I was my gonna say, god when you said the proximity i was like oh yeah houston was like it was like it was like college if you're like yes you know your class was right outside of your dorm it was like, okay. And it was also like going to work with all your friends. It, it, it was very. It was. Brandon, <laughs> it was you're like, right. It was like college. You had all of your best yeah. friends right around you in close proximity. That Matter was fact, fun. That was, I, that was yeah. the weekend I introduced you to Katie. I would say, I also, I met Charlotte and Katie Nolan both for the first time at the Houston Super Bowl. I was going to say, we hung out. It was, did we, were, did we meet Brandon? I didn't meet you, Charlotte. I wish I would have. Are we sure? Because if I because I was hanging out with Mike and Katie, <laughs> how was, were you I not was there? Out, I was I was that didn't. Oh, Charlotte, you know what it is? Is Brandon and I hung out at that hotel lobby? Me, you, and Katie met, and you and I really first met over at the convention center where Radio Row was down in Houston. Uh, that much I do remember yes. because they so, had protesters for male circumcision on the sidewalk, <laughs> and they were wearing white <laughs> jumpsuits with red paint on their crotches. 
I forgot about that. Wow. Oh and, my God. Yeah. And Fox Fox had the Super Bowl and I was working for Fox. Yes. So we had uh like some different place. You had like a live you, setup. Yes. We had the whole yeah. we had the whole thing over there and, and you guys were in Radio Row. That's why we were separated. I remember that. Yes. This is really fun for everybody listening. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. But this, is, be. this is so inside baseball, us talking about our fantasy team all wrapped so into one here. So um, the the one other city I did want to shout out. I I don't love Oh, sorry. What, Brandon? No, please, please talk. The, the, <laughs> okay. I best not tell the story. Continue. Uh, well, now I feel like you should, but we'll convince you in a second. Um, I think Atlanta. Uh, yeah. I don't really want to say it because I it feels sort of like Atlanta feels like um, the convention center of places to host a Super Bowl in that it makes a ton of sense and it's doable yeah. and it's a beautiful stadium and it all makes sense. But something about it, you're sort of like, like even the Georgia Oregon game this year at Mercedes Benz that I went to, I was sort of like, ah, well, you know, here we are again. And, uh, it, it, it works and it's great, yes. but something about, I want, I want like a little, I want something Atlanta ceases to feel like Atlanta when you're there for a big, event for some reason and i want a place that doesn't get like swallowed up aside for the event yeah yeah that makes sense uh well i'll I'll tell my little story when i was in houston working at fox uh somebody one of the we were with the producers and we're taking uber somewhere and somebody we were working with thought nick wright was black and i was with and i was i was like i was like hey guys like I'm telling you no, right? And we got we had this little conversation getting kidding? into the Uber. And obviously Nick Wright did radio in Houston before he went over to Fox Sports. And the black dude who was driving the Uber, like, rolled down the window. He said, What what y'all talking about, Nick Wright? I said, Yeah. I was like, this guy thinks he's black. And he was like, he got a black wife though. And like, he said it like like that. <laughs> Just oh my started God. dying laughing, <gasps> and I was like, "Boy, he put a stamp on Houston, boy. Nick Wright in Houston. Don't don't come don't come sideways by Nick Wright in Houston." Now you say Nick, oh Nick Wright's got people out in Houston ready for him there. That's incredible. I, I've never done that with a sports media person. I did for the longest time. I had never like looked at him as a prospect. I had thought when this player was coming out that we had a better ch- like. I thought Chet Holmgren was black. Because I thought we had a better chance of having a black, like a black guy named Chet, than a white number one overall basketball prospect. <laughs> so you didn't even see, dude. No, you just like, where's this Chet Holmgren at? That's, I was just, I was just like, like he's like the number one prospect in the class. And I went back and looked. We hadn't like it had been since Kevin Love. It just it was one of those things. He's one of the whitest people I've he ever is. seen. In my he's all life. he's all knees and elbows. It's truly remarkable. So uh, oh that's our top five list at Gojo Show on Twitter. Uh, cold weather <laughs> cities. I am ready for your inundation of hate. Uh, but in the meantime, we got what, Brandon? I'm saying you hate on inclement weather a lot. But Justin Fields looked back on the season and he said his favorite game. The was rain against game? the San Francisco 49ers. New team, new coach, new ownership. It was all brand new, and they went out and won the game. Buddy, if I wanted to pander to football fans, I would talk about how much I love cold weather, oh. too. 
Like, Ugh, you would do the whole snow game bullshit. Oh, I talk Sorry. about the nostalgia of it. I talk about how this is Chicago football weather and they want to put a dome on our stadium. That's not what this city's about. This city's about grit. It's about braving the elements. It's about the 85 bears. It's about seeing the mist and the breath and the fog popping up over the helmets. That's the football okay. we grew up on. That's the football the Midwesterners deserve. That's the bullshit that I would sell all these people if I wanted them to believe that I was their quarterback of the future. Can I ask you guys a question? Uh Uh-huh. Please. Do you think that working in sports media just completely – I feel that I find myself focused so much on logistics and comfort when it comes to, like, the spirit of something being in the cold and be – you know, it's like, oh, great. Like, I can see where people would love that. And I'm like, how easy is it to get there? And I don't want to be cold. Because like it jades you, you jades. Is that even? Yeah, a, but you get you get yeah, so I get so like preoccupied with the logistics of. Hey, I think I, that's, I, I think that's I, part I, of being a fan too. Because if you're a fan, all you've got is the logistics and then sitting. Like I always think of that. Like, yeah. do I want to be cold when I, at least when I'm playing in the cold? Eventually, I'm going to mostly forget. I'll get warm out there. I'm running around. My right, internal right, temperature is yeah, going yeah. crazy. If I'm a fan and I'm not drunk enough to not feel stuff, <laughs> and my hand warmers run out, or all of a sudden I get hit with something like snow or anything like that, I'm just sitting there. I don't get to move around and do stuff. So I'm actually thinking my take is a man of the people take. That's just me. That's just me. That's a bet. It's a good take. It's uh, a good take. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know what's a good take, guys? Uh, finishing on a positive note here. Finishing on a note of friendship. Finishing with uh, this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day here where I asked Brandon the most important question of the day, which is do you know what time it is, Brandon? I do, but I'm going to flip it right back on your ass. I have a song that you're going to sing because it's right up your alley. And I, I'm going to need you to lay out when it comes to the chorus. Okay. okay? Right. That's what I'm, I'm going to sneak in my this, that, and the third. Okay. Is you ready? Sure. <laughs> Where I get older, just not ever wiser. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Yeah, where you at? I'm making sure that I get all the lyrics right because I'm not going to get roasted by Taylor Swift internet, okay? Okay, you want, me, you want me to restart you? Yes, I do want you to restart it. Bit, 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 bit. I could do it thing, without man. looking at the lyrics. Ooh. I'm not looking at the lyrics right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, okay. 
uh, a one. A two, a one, two, three, four, naked baby, or baby on a hill, scary monster, go. <laughs> I have this thing where I get older, but never wiser. Midnight's become my afternoons. When my depression works the graveyard shift, all of the people I've ghosted stand here in the room. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in Christ. Tale is old as time. I wake up screaming from dreaming. One day I'll watch as you're leaving. Cause you got tired of my scheming. For the last time. I am the problem. It's me at tea time. Everybody agrees. I stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always holding both the anti-hero. This dad and the bird. Said <laughs> <laughs> layout for the chorus. Boy, <laughs> I have learned. That was amazing. I have learned two things in this process. One. Taylor Swift, not in my vocal range. And two, the drinking I did this weekend has severely affected my vocal output. All of those are ways that I say, lead with kindness as I ask you to download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And tell me how I did absolutely butchering one of the favorite songs off this album that I had to make sure and double-check the words on because I'm a coward as well. <clears throat> Mike, as I always say, if you can talk, you can sing. Mm. If you can walk, mm. you can dance. Wow. And I forget the rest of the saying. Hey, listen, Bob Dylan could s- technically sing. So if that guy cons- is considered singing, then we're all considered well, singers. Yeah, well, he had some, ta- he had talent in ways that I, that, you know. It wasn't singing. Just, That's all I'm saying. This, that, and the third. This, that, and the third. This, that, and the third. Uh, Mike, l- yes? you did a great job. Thank you did a great did. job. I put you on a spot. And I, and I thank you. Hey, pressure makes diamonds or burst pipes. And I think we were somewhere in the middle. We've got a diamond <laughs> jutting out of a pipe in a way I've that's really uncomfortable. That. I've never heard the last part of that. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, listen, that's a, that's a tried and true one there. So add that to the list. Sprinkle it into your everyday life. Put it on top of your oatmeal. It tastes good in the morning. Um, mm. Let's uh, talk about this, guys. Uh, Carlos Correa is now returning to the Minnesota Twins, reportedly finalizing a six-year, $200 million contract pending a physical after weeks of discussion to salvage a deal with the New York Mets broke down. Sources with the, uh, familiar with the situation told ESPN. So essentially what had happened was <laughs> Carlos Correa, who had been with the Twins this past year, had a good season by all accounts, started slow, finished really strong at the end. Ended up getting into this offseason and opting out of the contract that he had signed with the Twins. He had then been offered and agreed to a 13-year, $350 million contract with the San Francisco Giants back on December 13th. Then they raised some concerns about his surgically repaired right leg, that he had injured playing minor league ball for the Astros back in the day. He had not missed time for this injury in his eight-year career at the major league level. But they raised some concerns about that long-term deal for a 28-year-old player, yada, yada, yada. So after that happened, 
He pivoted, and the Mets offered him a 12-year, $350 million contract. And Steve Cohen, their pres- their, their uh, owner, came out, was talking about how this is the guy that was going to put him over the hump. And they're like a $500 million payroll. They're going to be paying luxury tax out the ass. But he doesn't care because he's the owner that's going to deliver the Mets to the promised land. And Carlos Correa is going to be the one to do it. Then they flagged his physical, too. And so that wasn't cool. And so now he's apparently going back to Minnesota, who feels like they are inclined to make this physical as amicable as possible for a six-year, $200 million contract. So in short, over the course of this, Carlos Correa's free agent uh, spree has now lost him $150 million since December 13th in a way that makes me actually feel bad for him, even though he's going to be a guy that makes $33 million a year in this deal. I just don't quite understand. I want to be like, what's in like, what's the physical showing up? Because like, what? What did you say, Brandon? Brandon, you're muted. I think you're muted. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, how bad could this physical yeah. be? He he was physically in San Francisco about to sign with the Giants, and then they were like, oh no, never mind. Yeah, it's like, and then for the also, and then. The Mets are like, well, we're willing to do it. And then they're like, wait, actually, like, are, I, I'm so confused. I, I have absolutely no idea what's going on here. It's been thoroughly bizarre. I, like, theoretically, I can understand this idea that if you're going to give, and again, I believe he's 28 years old. If you're going to give a 28-year-old a contract that would take him all the way, you know, if the original contract going back to the one the Giants were offering him was a 13-year deal that's going to take him into his 40s, you're probably wanting to say, hey, how is this going to age? And so physical, I always think like the easy physicals that we passed when we were going in college or like your physical you take where the guy bonks you on the knee with the little rubber thing in the doctor's office. These are probably more akin to the combine physicals where they're going and poking and prodding every bit of this thing to try and Mm -hmm. find out, hey, is our investment going to hold up over time? But – this, that's also that's yeah sorry that's just gross. Oh, it is, and I, it's something the NFL has actually talked floated about uh, changing about the combine, especially for players that have been injured going into it. But for oh, this really? one and for this kind of you know decade long financial investment, apparently the Giants and the Mets were not willing to take said same risk. The entire time, Carlos Correa, if you're looking at social media, playing games with his child. Just, just in in full dad mode, and it seems like he was slightly unbothered by it, which I like to see. It could have been a smokescreen, obviously, but listen, I I know when you put the dad hat on, that's all you're really focused on. So, uh, shout out to him. I will say too, you know, I think there's something that happens is if he passes his physical, I believe there's a clause that vests in his contract that'll increase it by about another seventy million dollars over four years. Oh, you know what? You know what they could have found actually. Now that I think about it. Um, they could have found the buzzer he implanted in his oh, knee to cheat with the Astros. Okay. Oh man, there it goes. Now we're having. Now we're ready to have the conversation. Sorry, sorry. Now we're ready. To but I mean, come on. Also, people, you know what people forget about Carlos Correa? After he won uh, the World Series in 2017, uh, he proposed to his now wife. If they're still together, I think they're still together. Wow. He won the World Series and then he dropped down onto one knee and proposed. Wow. Wow, sports proposal. You know, look, I I, do what you're going to do. It feels like an overwhelming amount of celebration to me. 
It is a lot. Yeah, it's like, like remember that Fiesta on Bowl thing. one where the Statue of Liberty play from a Boise State where the guy came down and immediately proposed to his cheerleader girlfriend right after? It's just yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's yes. a lot in one moment. It feels like yeah. you're not giving each moment their just due. Yeah. That situation, it seemed like they pulled off pretty well. It's one of the more famous ones ever, but I get your point completely. Anyway, I feel like, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, so also who doesn't – I the, anyway – I feel bad for the guy. I feel like something happened here that I don't quite understand. And I always just want a pay- player to get paid. Like I, I always want a player to make as much money as humanly possible. And this is perplexing. Completely. That's what's the bummer about this situation because it's going to be a crazy free agent story. Like I saw Dallas Braden from baseball is dead tweet. You could read it one way or you could see the Jared tweeted about him losing $150 million. He said, or he's the only player to ever almost sign $800 million worth of contract <laughs> in one offseason with three teams. His Wikipedia page yeah. is going to be an adventure because this is a free agent thing is not quite as crazy as like DeAndre Jordan free agency back with the Clippers and Mavericks fiasco that went on there mm-hmm. where you had yes. the Clippers hold up inside his house. <laughs> playing defense until he could sign at midnight where that was him going back on the soft verbal that he gave to the Mavs. But this is to Charlotte's point, a lot more tragic because it's just a guy and having his body looked at and judged like a meat market and people telling him it's worth about $150 million less. That's fair though. I mean, he's 28 and he said that leg was bothering him recently. Okay. Shut your mouth then. <laughs> oh my God. Let's get to that. And um, also, all right, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was saying baseball players get paid. Baseball players always yeah. get paid. He, so you're in you're in the right you're in the right place. He is making thirty three million dollars a year over the course of this six year deal. So still definitely getting yeah, broke off cool shorter deal. <laughs> if anyone wants to fine. pay Charlotte Wilder six years and two If anyone million. wants to pay me yeah, exactly. I'll find a way to spend it. Let's get to that. As a young person who's got a lot of money, uh, yesterday, January 10th, as the release of this podcast, a very happy birthday to Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman, 37 years old. He is the ninth youngest head coach in college football right now. Um, And uh, yeah, a happy birthday to him, friend of the podcast here, incredibly handsome head coach for our football team, who hopefully is going to keep winning a bunch of games. Happy birthday, Marcus. I was late with the clapping. And I will just use this platform to again say in a way that will be uncomfortable when I finally meet the young man that Notre Dame currently has the best looking head coach and quarterback combination in the history of collegiate football. True. Can't spot the lie. I just can't, I just can't get over the fact he's 37. Like he's our age. The first commenter below that tweet, Brett McMurphy was the one that tweeted out the happy birthday tweet I saw was from DBP, the just AKA Sasquatch that said, so he's two years older than Stetson Bennett. (laughs) So Stetson Bennett still catching strays out here. Um, So very happy birthday to Coach Freeman. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Let's get to the third, though. This is the important conversation I wanted to have with you guys. So Forbes put out a list, according to Reddit, of the 50 most talked about TV shows of 2022. First off, do you guys have any guess what the most talked about TV show of 2022 was? Stranger Things. 20? No. Stranger, Stranger Things was actually seventh on this list, believe it or not. Oh, we actually try and get the number one answer. Okay, okay hold uh, on, hold on. White Lotus? White Lotus no. was... Uh, Ooh, White Lotus is 18th on the list. Mm. White Lotus is behind somehow The Leftovers, which still has enough of a cult following to be talked about on Reddit. So I'm in the very wrong ballpark. That's amazing. Um, For what it's worth, number one is a show that was very popular in 2022. It was a show released this year, and it was released on a streaming service, if that helps. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm almost there. Um, Ted Lasso. Ooh, good guess. No. Um, That's going to be 2021s. Yeah, actually, well, not good. Uh, Ted Lasso, 33rd on the list. So, uh, unfortunately, I can't give you the family feud good answer. Yeah, on bad, that bad, 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 bad. I want to get this so badly. I know, and I, to the point where I'm not guessing until I have it. But I, I don't House know. of the Dragon? Uh, uh, House of the Dragon was number two, Charlotte. House of the okay, Dragon is number okay, two. So okay, good okay, guess, okay. Good guess. Good answer. Good answer. 30 points. Severance? Yes, Severance is number one. I didn't guess that because I thought it was going to be too niche, but I then I remembered it was Reddit threads, and people went nuts on Reddit yes, for Severance. exactly. I went nuts on Reddit for Severance. So the top five on this list, number one watch it? was Severance. Yes, yeah. you should watch it. It's worth your time. Yes. Number two was House of the Dragon. Number three was Barry on HBO. Ooh, number four was Barry. Amazon Video's The Boys. And number five was Better Call Saul. I feel like a lot of it with the boys was the fact that that show, especially with Homelander, led the league in new meme and gift material this year. Homelander was on every sort of meme possible this year. A lot of the reaction shots in the most recent season made for good internet material. So I feel like that's why. I have to say it was probably because, you know, Barack Obama puts out like his most. I thought thought you were just going to I thought you were going to stop there and say, you know, Barack Obama. (laughs) <laughs> and we were going to be like, have you heard of this guy? Barry o. You know <laughs> Not from Chicago, from Hawaii. Um, but anyway, uh, he puts out the, his like yeah. things that he watched the most of. And he put out the boys after season one. And I was like, that's a hell of a bump for a, a very graphic and, and grimy show. Like a lot of people are going to turn it on and be like, oh, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he sent a lot of people to that show. Yes, he did. Uh, which, yeah, that's a tough one there. Uh, Andor number six, uh, the part of the uh, Star Wars world. Stranger Things seven, Succession eight, Breaking Bad nine, and Rings of Power at number 10, which I know uh, our dear friend Jess Matana has likely watched. I haven't seen it yet. So, um, yeah, those all, kind of, those all kind of fit in there. Brandon, you should absolutely watch Severance. That was a good one there. Either- I think that was the greatest final episode 
greatest season finale of a TV, one of the greatest season finales of a TV show I've ever seen. Wow. All right. I respect Maybe, it. Maybe, I mean, nothing will top the Mad Men series finale for me ever, but Ooh, th- this was very good. Were you, a, were you a fan of, and I, so I never watched um, this show, but I've seen enough of the discourse around its finale. Did you watch The Sopranos and did you have an opinion on the finale, the series finale of The Sopranos? I at the, I didn't watch The Sopranos, but when the series finale happened, I knew what had happened because I'd seen enough people talk about it. So I've had trouble watching it because I know what. I don't. I think that was a great way to end that series. Honestly, like I did watch Sopranos, and also like yeah, the the whole mo- the whole thing is from his perspective. The last few seasons were spending most episodes in his dreams. So when he gets whacked in the end of the season, it goes black. Yeah, he died. Do you think that's what happened? Because they kind of left it open ended. We don't know if he got whacked. Listen, I lived in. Uh, I lived in. Where did I live? Blooming Bloomfield, Bloomfield, New Jersey. Shouts out to Anish. Lived in Bloomfield, or is from Bloomfield, but that is in Essex County, right down the street from where the, that was filmed. Essex County is all that Sopranos area that that ice cream shop was that they filmed it in. It was right down the street from my apartment when I was living out there. I feel like I got the vibes. He died. He died. He got shot. He died. <laughs> wow! He died. Spoiler yeah. alert for everyone out there. Uh, spoiler alert for everyone who made it <laughs> no. to the end of this podcast here and got the Sopranos ruined for them by Brandon Newman. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed the rest of this podcast that was largely spoiler free, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Make sure you check out the DraftKings YouTube channel as well and the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist. At The Wilder Things on Twitter is where you can check out Charlotte. You can read her over at Fox Sports on the internet. Brandon, Charlotte, thanks so much, guys. Truly always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Bye. See you later. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.